This episode of Talking Home Renovations is sponsored by BQE, the makers of BQE Core. BQE Core is a software that makes it easy to manage your project and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Listening to Talking Home Renovations with a House Maven. Is it time to renovate your house, but you're worried that you don't really know what you're doing? This is an educational and entertaining podcast that will ease your fears. Or maybe you just love hearing about home renovations like I do. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect. I practice in Eastern Massachusetts. On the show, I interview other architects, vendors, contractors, and homeowners to gather tips and stories about home renovations. You learn about materials, systems, sustainable practices, what to expect, what to avoid, and how to make the most of the money that you'll spend on your renovation. My guest this week was Van Sturgeon, who has been a general contractor and a real estate investor for over 30 years. He's passionate about helping homeowners and real estate investors overcome their fears of home renovations, and he loves to be actively involved in helping people reach their goals. We talked about how to be that person that contractors want to work with. We also touched on some of the biggest pieces of advice he has for homeowners. Here is my conversation with Van Sturgeon. Hello, Van, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for uh, for having me on. I'm looking forward to this uh, interaction, this conversation. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So you are a, a contractor who has, from what I've read, thousands of properties that you've renovated, which is a lot. You have a handout that I just downloaded that's very, very helpful. Your mission is to give people information, and my mission is to give people information. So Yes, and uh, I, have a, I have a website that's got a bunch of... Uh, Information associated with with renovations. I've uh, I've written articles that have been picked up by by uh, publications, and I'm out there preaching really the 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 steps associated with how to be able to successfully plan and manage a renovation. Then there's a lot of uh, misconceptions, a lot of misinformation out there associated with the whole process. Hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, Hollywood got their hands on that whole DIY sector where they, they dramatize it and make it look so wonderful. And, mm-hmm. and the and reality easy. is that, uh, it, it, yeah, it's so easy. Just in 30 minutes, you have a house <laughs> that's renovated. Presto, boom, bang. And it's so much fun <laughs> to knock down a wall, Catherine. But at the end of the day, the <laughs> cameras pull away and then you end up with a wall that's millions of pieces on the ground. And you got to pick up all those little millions of pieces. You got to take them out to a dumpster. And it's hard work. And there's lots of dust and all that stuff. But nobody's Hollywood doesn't want to talk about that. So mm-hmm. um, I'm out there. I'm out there. Uh, there is I, I in my travels through life. I got started in the late 80s as a general contractor. And then I kind of branched off to do into real estate investments. And it's been a, I've been very blessed in my life. So right now at this age of uh, where I'm at, I'm semi retired. And I'm out there just talking to people about this particular aspect of uh, home ownership, property ownership. It's really, it's pretty important. Like I'm pretty sure all of us at one time or another, if you own a property, you're going to have to do some type of renovation to it. And really there is a, there's a process involved that you can successfully plan and manage. uh, I love to talk about. What kind of false information is out there? Do you think that people are, are getting? I I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a proponent unless you have some, if, uh, unless you're mechanically inclined, I am not a proponent for anybody to go in and do any of this work, hmm. whether it's doing a de- whether demolishing, uh, removing, or 
any plumbing, electrical. Like it's not, it's not cost effective. It's not time effective. And just folks uh, get out there and they will do it. And the renovation that should take place maybe over the course of a 30, 60 day period, all of a sudden ends up taking you know, eight months. Mm-hmm. And if you ask anybody who's gone through a pretty extensive renovation where they, they DIY'd it, they, they don't like it after that. You know, after going through that process, most people will say, I don't want to do this again. You know, during that period of time, it sucks up all your weekends. It sucks up any vacation time that you might have during that year. And it's, it's a lot of trial and error. You make lots of mistakes along the way because that's not who, that's not our, that's not your skill set that you don't have experience with. So I think that it's best for folks to just uh, identify if you want to act as your own general contractor. I've been agreeing with that. Okay. And then you hire each individual trade associated with whatever that is that you're looking to accomplish uh, in that renovation. That's how I would approach it. Although I think people not hiring contractors, that can get a little bit dicey if they don't know the process. Sure. You know? And, 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 and uh, especially uh, in the electrical and the plumbing side of things, also a little bit of mechanical if you're doing HVAC. Uh, I've seen some real doozies in my life. Like I've literally done thousands of renovations on single family commercial properties. And you walk into these DIY renovations and you can spot them. Um, I don't, I don't, I would not recommend people uh, buying them because oftentimes uh, the exhaust fan from the bathroom, as an example, isn't installed properly. So it's exhausting into an attic space, which mm-hmm. is a big no, no, or, mm-hmm. You know, they cover up things like there's a crack, uh, you know, there's a crack on the wall and I'll just patch it up with some compound. And then six months later, it reappears. But there's a reason why it's there. Uh, electrical. So many times I've seen where people will just splice some wire, uh, wires together, morette them and throw them behind the wall. And then you, you know, if you purchase this property now, now good luck trying to find that. Now you got to break open walls to find that connection because so there's a lot of issues associated with the DIY. So I, I, unless you really know what you're doing, I, again, I recommend if need be, you get building permits. And also at the same time, you should be hiring professionals specifically associated with, with uh, the electrical plumbing side. Yeah. And even like, like uh, Catherine, even, even when you get into say, like things like tile work, now, you know, and I know when you're walking across a property that has good tile installation and bad. Mm-hmm. It's a trip hazard. It doesn't look good. Lines are all wavy and tile are up and down. And at the end of the day, for you to make it right, you can't. You got to rip it all out. You got to spend a couple of weeks finding somebody else, buying new material, and laying it down properly. And I, I it's just uh, penny wise, all the foolish. So that's why, again, I'm a I'm a big proponent of that. Forget the DIY. Do the GCing if you want. And just hire good trades. And there's a process associated with finding good people to you know, work on your project. So how do you find good trades? I'm trying to find good trades right now for my new house. And it's an area I don't know anybody. So I can ask people here who might know people there. But apparently nobody talks to anybody who lives where I'm going. So how do I, do I just look up like town lists where they say like, this is a good plumber? Do I, what do I do? What does anybody do? But you know, um, it's, since it's all about me, what do I do? I, I'm I'm a, I'm a big proponent of uh, references and creating that power team and wherever it is that you're working uh, or doing a renovation uh, uh, at. And what that means is typically it starts with a real estate agent you purchase the property through. Usually, uh, it could be a lawyer, it could be your accountant, it could be a mortgage broker. 
there's got to be some individuals that live in that area that you have some relationship with. And you start from there and you build off of that. Yeah. So everybody's encountered somebody that's done something. And now some of those experiences might be negative, but also there might be some that are positive. And you start building that from mm. there. Okay. Now, outside of that, the personal reference, the personal references are always the most uh, are the most uh, are the best and have the most weight. But then the, the next layer to the onion would be you know, uh, folks that actively do a renovation. So real estate investors who do flips, you know, they have uh, these real estate investment associations. They have Facebook groups. I just go into those places and you start to see and you can pose questions and you can see their, their, their interactions with folks. And you'll start to get to see you get to see the that there's a trend of individuals that keep getting mentioned. So you pull those names out and you reach out to them. Mm-hmm. I'm not a proponent. Uh, I keep hearing this from these uh, these so-called experts out there that you should be running to your local home improvement center and standing outside at 6 a.m. in the morning trying to jot names down from people that drive in and drive out. Why would you do uh, that? <laughs> Why would you do that? Well, I don't know. This is something that I, I, I have seen uh, by you know, these real estate gurus and renovation experts. You should, this is a surefire way to find contractors and, and tradespeople. And I, I struggle with that. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Mm-mm. If I'm successful, I'm moving and grooving. I don't have time to sit at six o'clock in the morning to talk to you. Uh, there's a proper, there's a time and a place for that. And I just don't, good contractors are busy. They don't have time to sit there, uh, to talk to you. So I, I, uh, so that, yeah, yeah I so I, I wouldn't be doing that. I don't like that advice either. I mean, why not just, why not just write down the names of trucks you see in traffic? It seems like that's about the same amount of connection. I totally agree with you, so. but I, I, I'm surprised, uh, there's a lot of these guys, a lot of folks out there. Uh, use that as a, as a ba- as, as a basis to be able to find good people to work for work for them. Hmm. Okay. Work, so all right. Well, I won't be doing that, I guess. So <laughs> no. I'll try to find someone. I'm going on. A, I'm going down there this weekend. I'll try to make friends down there and then try to find out who they would recommend. It could be as easy as you driving around the periphery of the vehicle of the property that you're purchasing and identifying. Uh, you know, a renovation is going on. True. And walking in there, maybe finding the principal there and asking them questions. And ultimately, uh, you grab a contact from here, there. There's a lot of stuff going on. That's a so, good idea. Just driving around the town and looking to see who's got their sign out and who's working. And yeah, I'll try. Maybe I'll I try think, that. I think because one of the things that I, I, I'm a, I recommend uh, is that once you identify the individual that you do want to do business with, that you should be visiting their job site. You should be visiting previous projects and projects that, that they're currently working on to get a sense of that individual's quality because quality is so subjective. What's good for me might not be good for you. Mm-hmm. And that should be some of the, one of the criteria that uh, you use in order to determine that this is an individual that you will be hiring for your renovation. Yeah. It's hard to tell about the quality of things like plumbing and electrical. I mean, if you go to visit a site where it's that you can see the rough, you can see the rough ends and it's like, if you don't know what you're looking for, how do, would you even know what it, uh, well, first of all, if they're licensed plumbers and licensed electricians, that's uh, that's a huge hurdle. Right. Uh, because if they do make a mistake on your on your property and, and something were to happen further down the road, they would be in serious trouble. They would lose their license and their livelihood. Mm-hmm. So I'm not that concerned. Yes, there are bad plumbers and bad electricians, like bad everything in life. But I think for the most part, you can feel pretty secure with knowing an individual if they have a license and they've been around for a while. That you should get quality work from them because, right? Yeah. So at that point, maybe it's just like how responsive they are or. 
that's where I think that you would be really zeroing in on because the length of a project is determined uh, by these individuals coming and going where they need to come and go through the whole process of the, of a renovation. Right. And if these individuals show up late and they don't, you know, they jerk you around, then that causes a uh, prolonged and that costs money. Ultimately time is right. money. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I feel like that's one of the values of having a general contractor is that especially with scheduling everybody in an efficient way, then they have the relationship. So the people show up for the contractor really, whereas they might not just for me. Yes, and, and and that's one of the one of the great things about a, a, a good general contractor. They know what they're doing. They have a list, a rolodex uh, of individuals that they can bring into your project, and they will deliver the quality, the, the services at the time, the appropriate time. And they are the conductor to an orchestra, right? And they're bringing these different pieces. A lot of folks misinterpret the the role of a general contractor, thinking that they're the ones who do all the work. Mm-hmm. They don't physically do any of the work. They have uh, subcontractors that they call in on a project, uh, whether it's a demolition, whether it's a drywaller or a taper. And these people, he manages these people and getting them at the right time, at the right place at the right time in that whole project, this renovation project. Yeah, um, and that's so, huge. That is huge because that's hard to do if you don't shoot. if you don't have, you know, people are ghosting me left and right, all different types of people lately like gutters they come over they look to see my gutters like oh yeah yeah i'll get you a quote never hear from them again don't answer my calls it happened twice with gutters what is that i'm gonna say that the reason that is happening is i i I don't know what you said to them but typically contractors who are busy and are just want to they want to deal with individuals that know specifically what they're looking for in their project right so i don't know if you had specifically said this is the section that I want replaced. This is the downspot where I want it located. Mm-hmm. And give them specific, uh, if you gave them specifics, then it's easier for them to quote. Sure. So I'm not sure if you did, gave that to them. Typically, I like as, I I'm speaking. You did? Well, I feel like I did, but who knows? I mean, maybe maybe I didn't. I, as a general contractor, always looked at individuals who were prepared, who knew exactly what they wanted. As the I love those types of clients because... I learned early on in my in my successful business as I grew it was that I want to deal with individuals who knew exactly what they wanted because I just go in there, do, do my that. job, right. get paid, and move on to the next job. Right. I'm based my business on turnover, not sitting there milking one particular job. Yeah. No, that's kind of my job, I feel like, is to help people figure out what they want and then present it to the contractor for building because that is a big chunk of it, figuring out all the details, you know, so... I've also noticed that, and I've also noticed, and I've mentioned this before on the show, that a lot of contractors don't like architects so much. So, I mean, maybe it's because, I don't know why that is. I try to be, present myself as being part of the team, but some don't appreciate me. I think there's a bit of an arrogance on the side of uh, general Both. contractors, oh. perhaps. Oh, because... well, and architects, let's be fair. Some of them are pretty arrogant. Yeah, that can be that can be the case where uh, it's my road or the high road, and unfortunately, there should be more collaboration between the two parties because we, as general contractors, the good ones have a level of experience of interactions in these buildings are twenty, thirty, fifty, hundred years old mm-hmm. that perhaps maybe an architect does not, and vice versa. So uh, I like I've always liked to have a collaborative effort with uh, with architects. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it does not. But good architects do listen because it makes them better and they incorporate uh, 
the ideas or suggestions in improving the efficiency or the quality of the of the project at the end of the day. Right. So I've I've always tried to maintain a positive relationship with my architects as I one they're my livelihood because I like to be on a tender list. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, I think it just makes a project uh, go well if there's a positive relationship between the two. Yeah. So. No, I agree. That is definitely. Definitely better to be getting along with the contractor. I mean, it just makes sense to have a team that all gets along, I think. So there's there's no advantage to not getting along, you know? No, so, there isn't. Copy. There isn't. But, but that doesn't – I guess that's true throughout life, you know? Uh, my mom has, uh, has always told me you catch uh, you catch more uh, was it flies with uh, honey than with uh, vinegar. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's saying, something like that. That's it. That's the, that's I, the saying. Uh, I've learned I've learned that uh, that's the approach that uh, is the best yeah. in life. Right, and just but assume everybody's doing the best they can do, and don't sure. mean any harm necessarily. Sure, sure, but you know, but you know that I, I as a general contractor, I have uh, I've worked on a residential and then as commercial uh, uh, projects, and there isn't a commercial project that's worth its weight that hasn't have a detail, develop a detailed scope of work associated with that project, right? Mm-hmm. And then you look at the residential side, probably 90 some odd percent of them are don't have anything like that. And homeowners, property owners rely on the general contractor mm-hmm. to be the one that will develop the scope of work for them. And I think you would like, I, I think you would agree that if by virtue of me inviting a general contractor to create a detailed scope for work, or just a scope of work in general, it's like inviting the wolves into the hen house because yeah, there's true. so many subjective things in that. It's so great. That's why I believe that there's uh, that if you really, if you got something of some breadth, that you should be doing this detail, you should be doing this detailed scope of work as a property owner or hiring a third party, let's say like an architect or an interior designer to put a detailed scope of work, and then you go out there in the marketplace and tender it out, and mm-hmm. you get quotes, right? Does right. that make sense? That makes sense, yeah. And that's where, and that's where I think a lot of the issues and difficulties that uh, folks have when they're carrying out a renovation to their property is that's the biggest, the biggest issue uh, that they that they encounter is, is that there's a lot, there's they they rely on a, the general contractor to put something together for them. Or they just decide that they're going to wing it on their own and just point at things and hope that the GC in walking through a property is able to remember everything and put a price together for them. Mm. And as, and then when you get all these quotes, you get quotes from 60000 120000 80000 They're all over the place. Right. You can't compare apples to apples. Yeah. Yeah. That's really important to – I mean it's really important to write out a scope so that you have an idea of the scope of the project yourself because as you said, you could just say, oh, and then when you're here, I need another hose bib out here and then whatever. Little things that just add up. People – some contractors just give a price like it's going to be 392000 for the everything that you said. We're like, well, what did, what did I say? What did you say? Like what is it that I'm paying for? So it's very, very nebulous. Yeah. And and, uh, and and our expectation as a property owner is in that situation that the general contractor does all this work, gives us a price, and then we price it. Uh, then we do the comparisons. We shop it around, and hopefully, property owners, homeowners need to put their put themselves in the shoes of these general contractors. Like it takes a lot of time to put the quote together relatively accurately mm-hmm. and you're trying to get information from the property owner homeowner to put this quote together and then 
and so it's you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't in that if you're very specific with a with a quote then your price will be you know it'll be up to the moons mm-hmm. and then the other side is if you're generic you're sort of generalizing things it can be lower but then you end up with problems down the road because oh i thought you included this Oh, you're only gonna, you're only going to give me a hundred dollar toilet. I thought you were going to give me a five hundred dollar one. You know, with the one piece, with the wooden, mm-hmm. the, the wood. No, it's, you, yeah. so this is where the importance of having a detailed scope of work will eliminate many, many issues and problems associated with your interaction with a general contractor or or even with trades, for that matter. Also. I think that yep. uh, I think I, I think it's important for folks to put that together, and they can do that on their own, or or they can hire an individual to do that for them. But I think it's important because then after that, everything it holds you also accountable as a property owner, as a homeowner, because now you have a you have your what you want to do, you have a budget, and you've been able to meet that budget with regards to a GC, for example, who's quoted or a series of trades who've priced that out. Mm-hmm. So now you've got something there that. You, can't, you shouldn't deviate from. And if you do deviate from that, that's spanking shame on you. <laughs> You're the ones causing this time over a budget, you know, overrun and the length of time on the project because you change your mind. Yep. And also it costs more time. I mean, everybody knows it, it might cost more money because they're doing more labor or they're doing something different in materials, but it changes the schedule for the contractor. So that may be one reason why a change order is more expensive than if you put it in in the beginning because it's causing depending on the size of it it's causing the contractor to go back and have to re-figure out when they're getting to the next project or push somebody off or do other things that kind of cause a problem right i don't think people really think about i hope that when folks go do make a decision on identifying things to do to their property that uh there's a lot of first of all i i I would hope and suggest and that you've identified what is the goal of this renovation and once you've identified that goal, you go out there in the marketplace and validate that. So what that means is that if I'm looking to increase the area, the square footage, or if I'm looking to turn it into one particular theme to another theme, that you go out there in the marketplace and you've identified the things, the elements that you're looking for. And then once you have those, then you got to then figure out, okay, this is how much money that we have. And whether the two correlate, because sometimes it does not. Mm-hmm. We might have Cadillac dreams, but on a Chevrolet budget. So now then we now we gotta we gotta scale back. And one of the, and, and I strongly I'm a big proponent of if you're looking to change the the ambiance of a particular property, the highest ROI items that you can do is uh, exterior items, uh, things like uh, painting the front door or garage. Uh, landscaping, obviously, for, for a few thousand dollars, you could really beautify a place. Something as simple as a driveway, recoding an asphalt driveway from that grayish, you know, weathered look to something that's uh, black. You know, those are some of the the, uh, the most cost-effective approaches if you're really looking to spice uh, spruce up a place by doing just some of those things. Increasing the, square, the wattage in rooms, like if you have a light in a bedroom and you're running a you know, 60-watt light bulb just by changing it to 100 watt and you can do that nowadays because back in, back in the olden days you were you're prohibited from doing that because of the heat generated from a incandescent 100 watt light bulb but now with these leds and compact fluorescents you can you can pretty you can you can put it up uh, you can use these larger wattages and and it immediately changes the uh changes the, the room yeah the lighting really does make a difference in the room and now a word from our sponsor 
Systems and standard operating procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom you want. You need systems and procedures. But you struggle with choosing which systems you need most and how to implement those systems quickly so you can get back to doing what you love most. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by acclaimed architect and business consultant Douglas Teeger, FAIA, to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to become managing partner of his 30-plus person firm and then later sold his firm so he can do what he does today, helping architects be more successful at Teeger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com masterclass and start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit. And when you visit bqe.com masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free and is brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core, the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com masterclass. That's bqe.com masterclass. Now back to our conversation. A few times we've had episodes on how to start with your like if you have a house that you need to really fix up and nobody really wants to start there, but starting with something like a leaky basement, first of all, making sure that your basement doesn't leak, making sure that your gutters aren't bringing water into the basement. I know you had mentioned leaky basements earlier. What kind of advice do you have about that? Um, typically, people need to understand that uh, once a prop, once we dig a hole in the ground uh, and you return that soil back, that it creates volume because of the air you're introducing to it that turns into a mound where that hole used to be. And then over a period of time, it starts to depress. And it should eventually get to the point where it's level with the rest of the ground that was not disturbed. Essentially, that's what happens when we do, we dig out a foundation, we pour our footings and we pour our basement walls. And then all of a sudden we throw back backfill to fill out that area. And then over a period of time, that area starts to condense, press down, and it creates a void. And that void sort of slants the elevation of the, or the grade, I'm sorry, of the property into your property instead of going away. So whenever you have water, it's cooling mm. at the foundation. And we need to take steps. All We need to take steps to ensure that we take water away from the foundation. Uh, and so I, whenever I've acquired properties, look at properties, I look at the grade of these, of the property, meaning making sure that we have any water, uh, rainwater is not pooling by the, by the foundation is being whisked away. So uh, the first thing that I would suggest folks to do when you're looking at that situation, when they're having a situation where they have a leaking basement, is to make sure that the grading is uh, is put to the point where water is being whisked, is being uh, is being uh, pushed away from the property. Also, looking at downspouts uh, is another big one where you need to perhaps maybe do an extension off of that uh, downspout to carry that water away. And, and usually, those are the things that will uh, very simple, quick fixes that will eliminate this issue associated with water coming into a basement. Once we get into that, uh, once we've done that, and we still have water coming in, then there's other issues that there's things that can be done uh, that are that are more cost effective than others. 
and it's just it's a it's on an individual basis that uh, what approaches you should you could be taking. But I typically uh, I've seen for the most part I've seen uh, leaky bases being solved by just having addressing that issue. Okay. That's good news. That doesn't seem too hard. Just making sure the grade is sloping away from the house and having the downspouts yes. go that way about six feet or so. Oftentimes, uh, you'd be surprised at how many times uh, I, I will walk into properties complaining about uh, you know, water coming into a basement. And just a simple fix like that will eliminate eliminates the problem. Now, we're getting now we're not talking usually if there are foundation issues and water coming in. You will see cracks, vertical cracks, and that's caused that's soils some type of is pushing up against it, and then and and that's not a good thing. So then you can get into uh, repairs such as epoxy injections. So that crack, if it's concrete, if it's a concrete foundation, you can do epoxy injections so that that crack is um, is filled, and that typically will be able to solve that issue. Mm. The water's coming in, but water is. Uh, we haven't talked about, you know, there's weeping tiles or, 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 some, uh, or I don't want to get too far into the weeds about that. <laughs> Typically, with regards to leaking basements, you should be able to resolve them with uh, just changes in grade and downspouts. Okay, so you had talked before about people having fears around renovations. So what do you think the biggest one is or a couple of the biggest ones that they don't uh, th- need to be afraid of? Um, I think that folks are afraid that contractors will disappear on them with their deposit money. And that's a big one. Uh, I think that folks are fearful, afraid of contractors producing substandard work. Uh, Those are typically the two largest and maybe you could provide more, but I think those are the two largest and be able to uh, safeguard yourself. With regards to that is I'm a big proponent of payment schedules and progress schedules. I don't understand why folks uh, we'll go out and give contractors, tradespeople, 30, 50, 80% upfront before they do any work. And if you are, try that if you have a job, go to your boss and say, Mr. Bossman, I would like you to pay me uh, one month, two months ahead of time uh, before I perform any work and see what they will respond to. We'll see what they say. I understand, and absolutely, and I'm speaking as a general contractor. We need to get, uh, if we mobilization, sometimes there's material costs. We should get money up front. But this notion of getting 30, 50, 80%, this has been some outrageous sums of money now because of this overheated real estate market where for the contractors, tradespeople are demanding this kind of dollar amount. And once you give that money, you've lost control over your renovation project. You just have no control. And so you should get into relationships, even if you have to pay someone more money, you should get into relationships with these folks where you have a payment and progress schedule set up so that every milestone in progress in terms of your renovation project is is met, and that's where money should be paid. Mm -hmm. And then the next milestone is is met, and that's that's when they get paid. That's how things should be set up so that you have accountability in terms of time, quality, progress. And it eliminates any issues associated with this interaction. Because if you give up money up front, it's kind of difficult to be able to uh, reel these folks in. Yeah. All the time, I will get someone who will come up to me and will have some type of renovation that they're considering and just ask me, how much is it going to cost? Right. And it's such a generalized question that it's so difficult to answer because it's just like me asking you, how much does a car cost? Well, we have sports cars, we have SUVs, we have Small cars, big cars, blue cars, red cars. 
I don't, I couldn't give you an answer to that. And oftentimes we are thirst to have some sort of a number. Um, it's just, I understand, but at the same time, it's very difficult to be able to put together. You really need to spend some time and effort identifying exactly what it is that you're looking to accomplish within that, within that project. You've got to do some research and educate yourself. And ultimately, you are able to put a number together. And once you have that number, you can then start to play with the things that you want. You know, we all want the moon and the stars and the sky, but our budget won't allow it. So maybe you change the granite countertops into maybe a kitchen backsplash. Maybe we don't uh, replace the kitchen cabinetry. We just paint them. In the bathroom, there's some wonderful things that are being done with reglazing tubs where you can pay $500,000 and all of a sudden a pink lime green tile or a beat up, I'm sorry, tub can be painted, can be epoxied again to look like it's brand new. There's some remedial steps that you can take uh, that will fit uh, certain budgets. And, and those are the types of things that folks need to go go through in order to be able to determine what that actual cost of the project is. And just throwing numbers out there uh, doesn't help because it, 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 the renovation could be a lot less or it could be a lot more than what you're considering in your head. And I have no ability as a general contractor to climb anybody's, into anybody's head to be able to determine what it is that they want. That's why it's so important. I'm a huge advocate for this scope of work that you need to put together or hire an individual that you're interacting with to put together, like an architect, like an interior designer. And then once you have that, then you've got something that you can hold yourself accountable and everybody that's associated with this project uh, accountable to. And, and, I, and, and again, that, that's the most efficient and the best process associated with you being able to successfully carry out this renovation. That's a very good point. I also get that question quite a lot and I'm not even the contractor. So I always say I'm not the, I'm not really the person to ask you. I can tell you how much similar projects I've worked on recently, what they came in, but there's never going to be two projects that are exactly the same. So I could give you like a range, but yeah, it's a hard one. And understandably the one that people want an answer to, and they don't like the answer a lot of times these days because it's gotten to be very expensive and takes a long time. And also part of that as well is a house built in the 1920s versus a house built in the 1970s, and you're doing the same sort of renovation to it, a kitchen or bathroom, guess what? The, you know, that house in the 1920s is going to cost you more money than the 1970s. And there's going to be perhaps uh, issues as you're, you know, you're opening up walls and looking into things that you're going to encounter in that house or a certain vintage or area versus another house. So again, it's difficult it's difficult to generalize these types of things and say, yeah, it's going to cost you $45 a square foot. And, and, and it, what does that mean? I, so yeah. What does that yeah. mean? Yeah. You have uh, a website. I know. How can they interact with you on your website? Sure. I, on my website, I have a treasure trove of information for folks. You've downloaded one. I think uh, there's two other books that folks can get download uh, associated with renovations. I also have a renovation calculator. So, uh, you can download uh, off, uh, off of my website where if you are contemplating a renovation and you want to get a gist or a general sense of how much this is going to cost, you can use that calculator to give you sort of a budget number. Now, in some parts of North America, that, uh, ca- that number might be too low. In some parts, it might be too high. But it's a good starting point if you're trying to get a sense of how much things will cost. So I, su- I encourage uh, folks to uh, download that. And then there's a series of podcasts I've been on that uh, that are there that folks can listen in on 
where I where I talk about it, and I go into some depth associated uh, into into some depth associated with you know planning, managing, and renovation. I am a real estate investment coach, mentor that really focuses is on the value add renovation side. But I take a holistic approach for folks who want to get into reno, uh, sorry, real estate investment, whether it's their first property or if they're a multifamily investor who have a series of apartment buildings or that type of asset and they're struggling with that, they're struggling what to do, how to scale, how to uh, do a value add renovation. And I, and that's what I do every every day. Uh, I'm semi-retired from the day-to-day stuff that I that I of my of my businesses and my portfolio. And I'm really focused on just interacting with people. I, I really enjoy it. I love helping people. It makes me feel good. And I've got a wealth of experience uh, of doing so many of these that um, I just enjoy being able to share that with folks. And, and I enjoy meeting people like you. So like mm-hmm. uh, this has been really uh, – I've been doing it for now over two years, and it's been a real joy. I, I never saw myself getting in this space but it's been, it's been, uh, it fills my soul. I really enjoy the interaction with, with people. Well, that's great. And do you have Instagram and that sort of thing? Or what's your website? Do you want to give any of your info? I'll also have it in the show notes. Absolutely. So it's, uh, my website is vansturgeon.com. And then also I have an Instagram account. It's uh, at vansturgeon, as well as uh, I've got a TikTok thing too. Oh, you do? At vansturgeon. Yeah, can you imagine that? An old fogey like me. Yeah, I can imagine that. We're anybody should be allowed to have TikToks if uh, you know counts if they want them. Well, thank you so much, Van. It's been a pleasure. It's a pleasure too meeting with you. I thank you very much for uh, for having me. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com/masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. Thanks for listening. I hope you subscribe to this podcast. If you don't, please head over to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. And if you have time to write a review, that would be so helpful. Please contact me for any reason at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. I love to hear from people. You can also join my Facebook group, which is Talking Home Renovations Together. And I'm on there with a bunch of people who I've also been on the show, have been guests on the show and other architects and homeowners and contractors. And so we can just talk about whatever issues people might have right there in the Facebook group. If you're on Clubhouse, come join me 10 a.m. Eastern Saturday mornings. There is so much information on my website, which is TalkingHomeRenovations.com. Head over there for transcripts, episode enhancements, other information. You want to be a guest? That's where you'll find that information in the application. This podcast is a member of Gable Media, which is the largest AEC network on the planet. Check out the other content on the network at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. This podcast is a production of my architecture firm, Demios Architects, where we believe architects are for everyone. Until next time, take care.